Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. This is Fantasy Baseball Today. I am Chris Welsh. He is Scott White. No. Is Adam Azer. No. Is Heath. Chris Towers. <laughs> they left me alone. I'm all alone. I'm the kid that was left home alone, so I called one of my friends to come join me. I know it is a very, very important week, so I brought in the big guns, everybody. Don't you fret one bit. I know it's championship week or the week prior to it, and joining me today is one of the best in the industry, one of my dear friends. He is Nick Pollock, a.k.a. PitcherList on Twitter. So many more followers than me. It's ridiculous because he's a smart, smart guy. Nick, what's up, buddy? What is happening? Those are some incredibly kind words. Thanks so much for having me today. Absolutely, my friend. You guys can follow him at PitcherList on Twitter. It's a really, really great follow. PitcherList.com is also a website that you guys do some killer stuff. We're going to be talking in this episode a lot about uh, two-start pitchers. So obviously, the handle PitcherList, you know you're going to be in good hands. You guys do the same thing over there. You've got lots of podcasts. You've got lots of killer stuff. But mainly, people should be locked into your Twitter handle to uh, find out everything that's going on, right? Because you're helping them through the rest of this run here. Oh, 100%. We even sell a shirt that says fantasy football is stupid. So we focus on baseball. That's what we care about. And yeah, we obviously have all our normal articles. I actually have a massive sit and start coming out uh, a Monday afternoon uh, about every single matchup the rest of the way and who I'd be starting, who I'd be sitting there. All right. That's killer stuff. All right. So like I said, Scott White, he's out like wedding crashing. I don't know what he's doing. He was out at a wedding. You know, Adam is deep in the stuff. Uh, funny thing, too, on the Friday episode, anybody that was listening, just a little inside baseball, I I did the episode, and all, all the people you've been locked in for the like the last like two months since I've been here, I did the episode, I, I sent it off, and then I went, oh no, I didn't put Kokomo on it. And I re-edited the episode <laughs> with the Kokomo open because I was not about to listen to anybody yell at me, and then I get an email from Adam, and he goes, heh. Not so easy to remember Kokomo, huh? Because Adam got all the stuff from everybody on the internet. One of my favorite opens, but uh, you know we don't have to worry about that here. Scott White will be back in the next episode, and he will be here for a Kokomo Friday. We've got all of that going on. But here's what is important, and here is what is essentially breaking in your world. You might be stepping into a championship week, like I am in one of my leagues. You might be setting up. Maybe you've even got uh, two weeks for your championship week. It doesn't matter. Here is what matters, and here is who you will be without. Mike Trout. Ugh. Undergoing season-ending surgery later in the week. He's going to remove that neuroma from his right foot. We thought we might get him during the week. We then didn't get him Friday when he was going to come. They said he was going to DH on Sunday. I had him in my lineup. I had him in my lineup. And I got to tell you, I'm not sure it would have quite put me over, but I was within like .10 of OBP. Had I put somebody else in, it could have been the determining factor. All that matters, Mike Trout is out for the season, season season-ending surgery, and you got to get him out of uh, every single lineup, Nick. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, I just hope that he can still win the AL MVP, honestly. I know it's not fantasy-related, but I see something like that, and all I want is Trout just to get every MVP award possible. 
That's interesting. It's actually interesting you say that because think about the Yelich thing where Yelich might have been running away with it in the NL exactly, and then yeah. and then him going and getting hurt opened the field up to guys like Cody Bellinger and I mean who I think I think who might take it at the end of the day is Ronald Acuña. I don't know if there's enough time for I mean who do you think is the person that vies for that against Trout with him not having the next I mean essentially 3 weeks of the season out. There really isn't a definitive option and that's really the problem. I I I would still personally give it to Trout. It doesn't it doesn't seem like anyone like a Bregman or or Betts. I mean, but you can't really give it to Betts. It, it would be Bregman, honestly. I don't really want to do that. I don't think he's having such an incredible over the top year that you'd give it to. I mean, Trout has nine more home runs with them. I don't think Bregman's going to get nine in the next week. I don't think he's going to get five in the next two weeks. So. I think you still have to give it a trout. Yeah, and Betts would have been one of those guys. But uh, here's what you can do. Redraft, you can obviously go cut. You can do whatever you need to do, not put him in your lineup because he is not going to be out there. And I know we want to jump right into two-start pitching, but what I do think is important here is the massive amount of injuries that hit us. Speaking of Mookie Betts, he um, is going to be having his foot examined on his ailing left foot by the Red Sox team doctor's right now on Monday because he was out of the lineup for the second straight day on Sunday. There is a hope that he's going to be out there Tuesday. You weekly lineup guys, you know, I I think you got to put him out there, but I think there's more trepidation maybe than we had, you know, a month ago because we, Scott White and I, we stepped in, I think last week where we were looking at Harper and Trout and saying, boy, you know, Trout's Trout. I think he'll be good, but Harper can't grip a bat. And then it got completely inversed on us. Anybody that had a weekly lineup, you lost Trout for the entire week. So I, I sit here and tell you, hey, I think Betts is going to be okay. You can put him in there, but there's no guarantees. I'm still going to go with it. Yeah, I would go with it too. I mean, it's just such a massive impact. And whatever you get off the wire instead of Betts, is it really going to be that much of a difference maker? I'd rather roll the dice with Betts. Yeah, well, and we'll talk about a few guys that might be out there if you were in that situation, hopefully you're in a daily. A couple of the other injuries. This one looks scary on Sunday. Anthony Rizzo was pulled from the game versus the Pirates after he injured his right ankle. He was charging into the field on a bunt, rolled the ankle, went down, and was screaming in pain. And people know, like, I I don't do injuries. So if there's anything gross, I would never see it. And if it got tweeted to me, they would be instantly blocked because that stuff <laughs> is just brutal. Here is the positive because the thought process was it was serious, but x-rays came back already negative for any fractures. There's going to be an MRI that's going to tell us uh, some more news or bigger news, but I have to imagine there's a high propensity that we are not going to see him the rest of the season. I mean, maybe it'll be positive, but I would assume I'm not seeing him this week. No, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, they definitely want him to be ready to go, at least to, to battle for that wild card. Because remember, right now they have that wild card in the NL, and they want to make sure that Rizzo is ready for that. Obviously, it's going to be tough holding off the Brewers, but they don't have Yelich, so hopefully they'll be healthy for that. And yeah, I would expect Rizzo to be out for this week. I will say the Cubs lineup as a whole, I've been treating them personally as this tough lineup for a while. If it's without Rizzo, then and it's without Baez, and Bryant is not necessarily 100%. I mean, he did two home runs when we thought yeah, he, he, he had, he had a weekend. I'm going to mention the weekend he but, had here in a little bit. <laughs> But you have to maybe consider now without Rizzo, is that a, a scary lineup to face as a pitcher or not? It it does add a little bit of intrigue there. Oh, that's interesting. You know what? I've got a, a questionable pitcher I want to throw at you here in just a little bit that does have the Cubs next week that we can talk about. The one thing I would also throw out, um, I'm doing like all this teasing and not talking about anything, but like <laughs> another thing is 
the Cubs have so many players that provide flexibility that when you take another guy out, you know, the, the, I'm not saying they're going to put Ben Zobrist over at first or something like that, but there's so many guys with flexibility. What it does is it starts to create these better opportunities if you had questions about a guy like Nico Horner. Nico Horner right. has been out there, but he would continue to stay out there as they lose players. A couple other quick injury notes. Chris Archer, not that you cared or wanted him in your lineup, shut down for the season. Good riddance. Jason Kipnis, or as Scott White would say, Joe Kipnis, exited Sunday's game versus the Twins due to right uh, wrist discomfort. He's missed a, He missed, like, I think two weeks with the same injury. So be on the lookout for that. And then if you had your hopes on it, I probably wouldn't have them too high. But Craig Kimbrell did throw a 20-pitch bullpen session on Sunday. If he's good on Monday, the thought process is that he's going to get into a simulated game. Maybe you could get him if you play through the final week of the season. But I would not hold out hopes for anybody that's still just clamoring for that one save they can get from Kimbrell, right? I just have complete sympathy for everybody that endured him through free agency. That was me. And then I did too. And then all of a sudden in September, when you finally need him, he's not there. No, I think you're completely right. I, holding out for Kimball here this week specifically is just not something that's going to work out in your favor. All right, let's get right into kind of your wheelhouse here. On Friday, Scott White and I, mm. we talked about the two start pitchers. So I want to re recalibrate because right off the top here, one guy that I felt really good about, not a big Scott White guy, but he was near kind of the top of the list of my two starters here, was Zach Plesak. And it looks like he's been completely taken off. They've got a TBD, I believe, on Friday, which I'm assuming maybe that's where he's going to pitch. I, I haven't even actually seen the news on what exactly it was. But Zach Plesak out of a two-starter. So, uh, real quick, do you have any thoughts on Zach Plesak as far as, uh, or any news? Break it to me. Well well, we'll say this. His last start, his velocity was down a bit. Uh, it was the first time we saw him all year under 93 miles per hour. Normally, he's around like 93 to 95 even at times. Uh, and to see him under 93 was a little concerning. He got through that. Uh, he's not really one of those high ceiling pitchers. He doesn't have secondary stuff that really blows you away. He kind of throws across his body a bit to get a little bit more deception on that fastball. He's able to kind of go through starts sometimes with it. But if he doesn't have that fastball, there's nothing really there to save him. So he's not really my favorite guy, but... If he does get favorable matchups like that last one against the Angels without Trout, he can do well, and that's what he did there. Yeah, it was just like he, the potential of the Detroit matchup and then Philly on the back end was something yeah. that you could go with. But he wasn't the best two-start pitch, and that was kind of the big takeaway from it. I'm going to drop two guys on here that were at the top of my list. One of them was Scott White's favorite, and I went over and perused over at PitcherList.com, and I looked at your guys' two starting pitchers, and you guys had him, not in, obviously not the top tier, but it was like the next tier of guys that weren't the elite of two starters so talk to me about your confidence on two guys john means business my dude who he's got detroit <laughs> and seattle this week 65 percent on ncbs leagues and martin perez who was actually over on itl this is somebody that i was trying to pinpoint that i really love the matchups here he's not sexy on what we would quote call counting stats for pitchers you know lots of strikeouts and stuff but 55 percent owned he's got the white Sox and kansas city so what do you think and do you believe of the obtainable two starters that are probably out there right now that those guys are kind of at the top of the list. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, John means against the Tigers and the Mariners. That is so good. His is he, is he the is number one effective pitch? He, uh, he's up there for me. Of like, especially the obtainable ones. That's what I mean. I mean, like, sure. Yes. Like, obviously we're going to go and look and be like Verlander, Strasburg, but of like guys that are actually obtainable in leagues, I've gotten so many questions that have involved, like, who should I pick up? You know, Steven Matz, uh, I see John means, I don't see any of the other, you don't see guys like Robbie Ray. And I look at John means and I felt like for a week and a half now, we've been saying, this is the match. I mean, 
he might not be the greatest pitcher of all time, and you can break down what you were just about to say about who <laughs> he is. Close. He's close, but his <laughs> matchups are so ideal this week that this is the one, if you're going to take the risk, you go down with based on the matchups. 100%. And actually, his last five starts, not one of them is above 200 runs. And that includes his last start, which was against the Dodgers of 6.1 innings of 200 runs and six strikeouts. And he has a fantastic changeup. That's really everything to him. 206 batting average. On the season with that changeup, absolutely fantastic. It's the Tigers and Mariners. That's that should be a cakewalk for him, and especially in a quality start league too. The Orioles will let him fly, and he has that stuff with 91, 92 heater up, changer down. That's all he needs. It doesn't really matter what his secondary stuff does. Actually, well, his breakers do on a given day with those two pitches, the fastball and changeup. John Means should have a good week here. But what about versus uh, Martin Perez? I mean, I always would love mm-hmm. to avoid you know, anybody in Baltimore, you know, just for, you know, things get crazy. I'd like to not be in Baltimore. So that first start against Detroit is so great because uh, it's at Detroit. But then the Seattle game, it is in Baltimore, but still the matchup is just so ideal. What if you were comparing versus Martin Perez? Like how much of a level above is means over Perez? And do you have any concerns, even though the matchups are so good on him? Definitely. Uh, You're totally right about the whole Orioles thing. I even had a shirt. Uh, You can't spell win with Tillman because of that and uh, i felt so bad but at the same time we put out that shirt he didn't get another win for 11 months i but with martin (laughs) perez it's it's annoying to see that his last start was five run runs against the nationals then two starts before that was at detroit and he still allowed seven hundred runs he's a very volatile pitcher uh, a lot safer with John Means. Again, going on the good stretch, really feeling that change up lately. With Perez, it's his velocity is also not what it was in the spring. We got really excited for a moment because it was 94, 95 all of a sudden. We used to see 93 from Perez. And now with that velocity, that's great. But now it's 93 and change. We don't know on a given night. Is he going to have that velocity? Is his cutter going to be a great pitch? He doesn't really have much else outside of that. Against the White Sox and Royals, I'm still in for the two-start week, but there is a sizable gap. I want to go to John Means. I feel the floor is a lot safer, especially in quality start leagues, too, because the last three starts, five innings, six innings, 2.2 for Martin Perez. It's not a guarantee he goes all six. Do you have any other guys as far as two starters you could be digging a little bit deeper? A big thing we've been talking about you know, here on this show for a while now has been just how not great the situation of two starters has been on the season, especially as of recent you know, quality over quantity sometimes, but regardless of that comment that we get into where, you know, like I'll, I'll press on, on here, you know, I'll press Scott about getting through and talking about like, all right, you know, these guys are down to 20% owned. Where do you feel it? And Scott will be like, well, you know, this is not the guys that we, we obviously want to get down with, but do you see anybody I don't care if it's down at the very bottom of percentages. I've got a couple questionable guys to get at, but are there any guys that you just love your, the matchup and you just say, Hey, listen, I think you all, they can actually get to the fifth inning or Adam Plutko who now is taking over for a guy like, um, uh, Zach Plesak, he's actually a better option with those two matchups. Anybody lower that you want to pinpoint as a two-starter? You Okay, you can just do this on your own because Eovaldi going against the Giants in the race, I'm so in, 100% in. But is uh, he, he going to qualify 90, for a win? 91 pitches last time out. Yeah. That's the thing, though. So we were wondering, is he going to get past 80? And then all of a sudden he went past 91. Yes, it was 4.1 innings, but whatever. That That's just circumstance for that. I think he has the ability, also the velocities back up. And if you remember last year, what made Evaldi so successful was high fastballs, cutters coming down. He's still doing that again. I really think, especially for that start against the Giants, Evaldi can excel there and be fine and good enough against the Rays. If you really want to go deep, this is 
Okay, well, there are two guys. One, uh, not as deep as the other, Mitch Keller, I'm in on. Really? And I know that's going to be upsetting to a lot of people because the first innings have just been atrocious with him. But Mitch Keller, if you really need that home run play, I mean, his stuff is fantastic. That, it's, that's it's interesting because I, I had some people pairing like I had a couple of questions where people were like, which, you know, which two would you want? And I would see, you know, means in there. I'd see please sack. I would I'm trying to remember who else. Maybe Reynaldo Lopez. And then I mm-hmm. saw Mitch Keller in there and I was like, I'm on a firm no Keller diet for the rest of the year. So I don't know. I, I get that. And th- I mean, I have Lopez, even though he is getting the twins. I still have him above Keller personally as well. If you really are thinking, you know what, I need some volume guys, I need to collect strikeouts with with two-star guys, this is it. Keller is someone who can pump 97 miles per hour with two good secondary pitches in there. That's really, that's something you don't see often that this unowned uh, in your leagues with two starts against the Mariners and the Brewers. Brewers without Yelich, Kane isn't what he used to be. Uh, That's not that strong of a lineup either. I could see two really good starts here from Keller. And if you want to get super deep, I mean, I'm not going to say Garrett Richards because I don't expect Garrett Richards to actually go long at any of these starts. But Trent Thornton actually pitched pretty dang well against the Red Sox last time out. Uh, missing bats with, with his curveball, good fastballs as well. He gets the Orioles first. That could be good enough that however well he does against the Yankees is is nullified by that start. Just something to consider there. Uh, Pablo Lopez also, even though he's going against the, the Diamondbacks and the Nationals, he has he had better stuff last time out. That could be something that that could be an impact for your leagues. All right, I'm going to come back here to tackle Ivaldi and Keller versus a few more things, but it is SeatGeek time. SeatGeek promo code Fantasy. Searching sporting events, live music, comedy, and more has never been easier than with SeatGeek. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, a quick look at the app is going to show 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? And SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. This is the coolest part, too, is that map. SeatGeek breaks down the details with green dots, meaning good deals, red dots are overpriced, and every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and It has been by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets. In fact, my good buddy Bogman and myself and a friend, we are all going to a comedy show in December and we use SeatGeek right here in Phoenix. SeatGeek right now is giving you 10 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you've got to do is use the promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code FANTASY and you're going to get $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code FANTASY for $10 off that first purchase. What are you waiting for? So two starters we were just talking about. Eovaldi. I want you to tell me what part of the sandwich he is between Perez and John Means. I would, okay, I would still favor John Means. I think that's a much safer play. And if you're just looking to get your points and not try and shoot for the moon, you go John Means. You should be happy with that, especially with the run that he has been on for his last five starts and that changeup, etc. I like him more than Perez. I think Perez is a little more volatile. While Eovaldi, I know it was 4.1 innings, I know that, but I, I trust the skill set of him. I trust that the Red Sox are letting him go deeper. I think I would take that for his two starts over Perez. Okay, so then now, coming back to Mitch Keller, I've got a mm-hmm. couple pitchers to add for this week. I've got one guy who's not on any two-starter, but now let's take Mitch Keller and let's verse him against a couple of the popular pitchers that were added as of recent. Zach Davies, who's up to 71%, who's got the 
Padres and the Pirates. Reynaldo Lopez, who is at Minnesota, and it looks like he's lined up against Barrios, but then he's at Detroit, but lined up against Matthew Boyd. So two road games for Reynaldo Lopez. So now Davies versus Lopez versus Keller. Give me that order. Okay, I don't want anything to do with Zach Davies. <laughs> this is okay. The the Brewers last week had a four game series in Miami. Not one starter lasted through a full five innings. Okay, and this is this is Jordan Lyles, this is Chase Anderson, this is Zach Davies, this is Gio Gonzalez. They were pulled under 80 pitches often here. The idea that Zach Davies is going to go deep in any way to make a significant impact for your team. I just don't see it. I don't see it. And if I'm making these plays, it's not to essentially get a what I call a false starter, like your four inning reliever that comes in like a Trinos used to do or Yarbrough in the past. I don't want that. I'm going for someone that actually makes a difference for the week. Zach Davies, I just don't see him doing that. I would rather go after Mitch Keller. I would have Davies at the bottom of this list. OK, what uh, about Reynaldo versus him? Because um Ronaldo right. is interesting, though, you know, 10% more less owned than David. I think I feel like Davies only big grab here is it's based on the matchups. That's what everybody yep. is trying to play is they're looking at the matchups. So when I go look at most added for the week, I was giving you the percentages of where they were. Zach, this might surprise everybody. Zach Davies, if you take away Johnny Cueto, because I'm not going to count Johnny Cueto, who's at the top of the list of most added because Cueto was going to be a two starter. Uh, I mean, we went back and forth. Me and Scott White did all week. And um, I even believe, you know, you guys were talking about it, too. He's Sunday. He went Sunday, was solid, went five, three hits. uh, But he's not a two start pitcher. So Johnny Cueto is at the very top, the most added player over the last week in anticipation of a multitude of things. But the next highest percentage pitcher added. So, you know, CBS does it by the percentage changed of ownership. Mm -hmm. Zach Davies was the number one, not counting Cueto, the number one added pitcher who's up to 62%. So that probably has a lot to do with A, the Brewers offensive lineup behind him and B, the matchups that he had. And he's more than your guy, Nathan Eovaldi, who is actually number two after that. And then uh, Reynaldo Lopez, who I believe is number five. Interesting. I I think if you just look at last week, you look at the matchups. Oh, yeah, against the Marlins. And how did that go? It's I don't I don't see any reason why it's going to be any different this week. I would not go after Zach Davies and Reynaldo Lopez. I know he just faced the Royals and, and gave up four home runs. And it was so disappointing because the previous start, he went out and killed it. And you think, oh, yeah, against the Royals. No problem. I'm I'm actually somewhat excited because he showed up with 97 miles per hour again. This is something that we saw at the beginning of August, and he had an incredible run because of that increased velocity. Before, he was throwing about 95 and change, you know, 95.3, and all of a sudden, averaging 97. Ridiculous. And I'm so happy we saw it last time, and then essentially a three-run homer ruined the whole thing. I, I'm, I'm going with this. I, I, it's, it's very matchup independent often with Reynaldo Lopez. And against the Twins, Detroit, sure. That sounds good with me. I think he can excel in both of these. Uh, you're not, I guess the floor, the floor honestly is similar to Zach Davies. Uh, the overall impact of what they would do, similar. I think it's very clear to see that the ceiling is higher though with Lopez. Okay, so this is one last one. I really wanted to hit for everybody and I hope you guys appreciate this. Hit a lot of pitching here. Nick is a fantastic person to do this with. And I know this is your guys' biggest grab for this week. You guys are, you know, the, the hitting questions are one thing, but the desperation in pitching is super important. So 
I feel like we have set a really good groundwork here of what to start pitching looks like this week. John Means is kind of like in a little tier of his own. There's some other viable options. Here is one pitcher that I think ownership dictates that he is out there in a lot of spots. And I know a lot of big, heavy competitive leagues he might be. But because of his last start, he might be back out here. And I think he's in a good matchup. So keep in the back of your mind some of those guys you've been talking about, the Reynaldo Lopez's, the Davies, the Kellers, whatever. And go and look at a one-start matchup for Alex Young. Alex Young, who's up to about 56% owned, he got shellacked a bit, only went two and two-thirds in his last outing versus the Mets, but he had been pretty good as of recent. Would you take a one-start Alex Young versus a multitude of these two starters? Like, Would you value that start over, let's say, Ronaldo Lopez or even Mitch Keller? I would say that, uh, I mean, if we're talking about a weekly lock league, uh, I think I would go points wise over uh, over Zach Davies. I would still go Alex Young, but I would still probably go Reynaldo Lopez and Mitch Keller above that Alex Young star. I really do like that start against Miami. Is it all formats I, too? Is it like because um, like point? It's a little different because okay, because I feel like really, points is yeah. like obvious. Points you want to get, right, the, you sure, just yeah. don't want the negatives here. But if you're getting into like head to head and stuff like that, I guess I feel like I'm valuing this Alex Young start. Over a relative multitude of these guys. Yeah, I, I understand why. I mean, it's it's not to mention that 2.2 inning start against the Mets. It was five unearned runs. And that really set him back. And he should have, you know, he, he got a bit unlucky in that regard. It was really only one earned run in that. But he had to get an early hook because of it. And he had 12 strikeouts in eight frames against the Reds in the previous start, right? So I, I can see him doing very well in Miami, especially in head-to-head leagues, it's so important. I'm sure you'll agree with this. Understand the matchups that you have ahead. Are you targeting for both ratios and volume? Are you only targeting volume? Know the know your opponent. Know how many guys he's he has, who he's going to be confident with. Is he ace-heavy? Is he going to be streaming-heavy? And you have to plan around that. So if you feel that you're going up against aces, 100%, go for Renato Lopez twice. You need to do that because you have to collect that volume. But if you feel like you can actually maybe do a balance between it all, then I would rather go with Alex Young because I think that would keep that seesaw level for you uh, and make you make it so that you know that first start against the Twins, you're not just all of a sudden in a hole necessarily. But Alex Young, keep the boat steady and allow other players to excel. Fantastic breakdown of that. That's I think that was really really good stuff. Good key stuff for people to hone in on when you're making your decisions. Now. Uh, last thing with this little front of pitchers, because I do want to get to some hitters, but we ain't done with pitchers probably overall. How about two guys that have two starts this week? I'm curious if they are questions. One is Miles Michaelis, who has got the Nationals and the Cubs, who we talked about. Maybe their lineup is a little less powerful. Uh, but, you know, he's been kind of... Re- I mean, he had a good start against Colorado. I didn't start him in one of my leagues just because it was at Colorado, and I was like, no thanks. And then how about <laughs> Luis Severino, who is actually lined up for two starts? I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but he's lined up for two starts this week, making his return. He's got the Angels and the Blue Jays. Is there anything in question, whether it's weekly lineup, not putting them in? Do you think any of the starts warrant major eyes for people to potentially sit? So what do you think about Michaelis and uh, Severino? Well, okay, so with Severino, uh, it's about 70 pitches is what I'm hearing, 70 to 75 or so uh, against the Jays on, uh, I think it's on Tuesday. I'm sorry, the Angels on Tuesday. Boy, the troutless Angels, too. Right, right. So that could be a good start to have. I do question if he is going to get that second start just because the Yankees might want to say, 
all right, we're going to give you a little more breath. You know, we could give some more time, give Jordan Montgomery, of course, a start in there. We could just do a bullpen game, just give you more time. Maybe there's something that uh, they wanted to tweak and, and you know, give him that extra day of rest. So I don't know if he is going to get that Sunday start uh, against the Jays. If he does, if he does do that, I am in for both because it would be 70-75. They want to get him playoff ready. So then it would be closer to 90, so 85, 90 after that, and then it'll be up to, of course, 95, and there you go. You're set. So uh, in general, if you're locking leagues, I'm going to say yes, so they are going to start him on Sunday. It's not out of the question that they do hold him back. So you don't have concerns about putting him out there. Like, no, I, I think I no. said it earlier, maybe it was on ITL, where I was like, you know, I went out and started Cueto, so you go and look at Severino, you just, you're not going to have those same questions. Do you have the Severino, you obviously, I guess you're kind of saying you don't have the Severino. What about Blake Snell? Blake Snell looks like he is actually lined up to start on Tuesday, and who is that going to be against? That is going to be against, I believe, the Dodgers in LA. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm good. No thanks, dog, on Blake Snell at LA. Severino or Blake Snell this week? Right. So I have a phrase called DLH, which is disabled list hangover, where you generally don't start someone on the first day back from any sort of extended uh, disabled list center. Now it's IL. So I guess we go to still ill, but that's fine. <laughs> I but with Severino, I'm pushing it away because he is an elite talent. And you would think I would say the same about Blake Snell. But there are two things going against him here. One, of course, that's the Dodgers, not that, as you said, the Troutless Angels. Uh, the second is the pitch count is going to be much more limited. Uh, the Rays have, I understand they're trying to get him re playoff ready, but I wouldn't expect more than three innings out of this. They're definitely on the slower side of ramping up Blake Snell. Not to mention, we've seen over the years, they baby him a little bit. They don't let him go deep into games like other guys like Severino has. And I would not be surprised if we see maybe even two and change in the start against the Dodgers. I don't see the ceiling here for Snell. Uh, in this first start, and even the second one, you'd be lucky if you get four. Maybe, maybe on a very good day, he gets five in that second start. I'd be very shocked. I am not touching Blake Snell this week. I'd actually be kind of surprised if he really makes a big impact for you by the end of the year. What did you, uh, did you say, uh, Michaelis? Were you starting him against Washington? And the Michaelis, Cubs? Michaelis is a coin flip. That's the problem with him. He uh. is is as much of a coin flip as there is out there. Nationals, it just doesn't seem right. At the same time, it didn't seem right against the Dodgers, and he did well with his worst velocity and worst slider of the year. But who cares, right? It's Michaelis. It's a coin flip. Maybe it's one uh, of those things like you talked about. If you're going up against aces and you just kind of you know you're going to be in a streaming battle because you can't catch up, that it's one of those you just put him out there. If, exactly. If you're playing your ratios tight, maybe the Nationals won as you hold back. Obviously, you cringe if he has a good start, and then maybe you feel better about a Cubs matchup that potentially is going to be uh, Rizzo lists and you know, we don't know what it'll look like at the end of the week. Right. A lot of the times if you own Mikolas, you kind of just have to start him because then you're essentially it's him or whatever's on the wire. And we already talked about a lot of the options in the wire. If you don't have those and you're looking for others to replace with Mikolas, then just know you just have to go with Mikolas then. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break right here on Fantasy Baseball today. When we come back, we're going to answer some emails. We're going to hit a whole bunch of more hitting ads and then if we have time, I feel like I've been saying this for like a week. If we have time, we've got a good load of 2020 questions that are sitting in the hopper, and I'm kind of chomping at the bit to answer them. So quick break, Fantasy Baseball today. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. 
All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Not quite a hey real quick or anything like that, but these emails, they're targeted for you guys all around your championship week. So we've got a good theme here. First up, Dear Chick, Happy, Shoeless, and Suede. I tried to do this. Um, I think it might be Joe's. They have a bit here. Nick, where people will email in, you know, goofy names and you got to try to figure out like what the, the <laughs> shtick is. So the only thing I can figure out is like Shoeless Joe. Like I typed in all those names and I got Joe's in. So I don't know if that's what he was getting at. Let me know if you figure it out. Have a question on championship strategy for points leagues. Have been riding my strong pitching all season. Four top 20 pitchers, five when Woodruff was healthy. Caleb Smith has been my worst rostered pitcher all season and I have hater in relief. But I look to be dead on arrival because my opponent has added seemingly every two-start pitcher. I'll be down 2-1 to one in starts the final week. Is the best strategy having best rotation or come playoffs? Do you think I need to change thinking volume winning out? So volume winning out. In any event, thanks for your time and for helping me out. So what do you think here? Is it having best rotation or volume? It's kind of actually what you were saying before. You, you were talking about it and how to react to it. But what is your approach walking in where this guy is studded out? But this other guy has gone out and volumed him to death. Right. So, yeah, so that, that stuff before uh, was about head to head leagues, specifically with points leagues. Uh, the real rule of thumb is you better have a good lineup uh, because, right, you can you can brute force your way with, with pitching, especially if you don't have to save your bench uh, for bats. If you have a good enough lineup, then you can just go after as many two star guys. That's generally my approach in points leagues is not to go for three, four aces or whatever to have be top loaded because right come playoff time, guys are just going to out muscle you with, with too many starts. And I think that is more important just having the volume than it is having the pristine guys at the top. Because remember, even if they are great, normally it's just about probability that we're going after studs. You know, even every stud has a bad day. Uh, so it's not a guarantee even that the guys you pick up are going to be worse 
than the studs you already have. So it is it is about volume, very much so in points leagues uh, come playoff time. This is kind of a similar-ish question. Anthony in Minneapolis emailed. He said, hey guys, I want to thank you both. I think he's talking to me and Scott White, as well as Heath, Adam, and Chris Towers for all your help. I was in five leagues this year, and I'm going to finish top five in my Roto League and made the playoffs in four others. Good job on you. Curious, he says, though, and this is where it ties in. What's your strategy for playoff weeks in head-to-head or points leagues? There's a lot of conversation about streaming, um, you know, buying early. Uh, he says, thanks again for all your help. This is my favorite podcast, and you helped me successful now for two years in a row. So just kind of piggybacking on, you were talking about how to approach strictly your pitching. Do you have any other playoff week strategies that you are taking? And I know a big popular one is going and looking, you know, at games played through the playoffs. That's one that people are going to do. But head-to-head and points, what differential type of strategies might you take come the playoffs? Yeah, the uh, it's really important to understand your options uh, come February, sorry, February, uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. If you are planning to make it take a risk on Tuesday and Wednesday with a stream, know who the backup is, know who. OK, if that doesn't go the right way, then who am I dropping to get for Friday and Saturday and do that a day in advance? Trust me, you do not want to be the one on Thursday night praying that your waiver bid was higher than the other guy for Friday. Just get it one day in advance. But it's so important. It's so important to just map it out, understand what risks you're already going to take before the day of, because then it all just goes just goes terribly. And then you get yourself in a hole early or you don't you find yourself like, oh, I don't actually have enough volume. And I thought I was going to uh, going to only have X, Y and Z. So that that's my biggest suggestion is really understand the weekend options and who you're targeting, and who you're not. Uh, this next one we kind of already answered, but. I, I like his tag, and then I love his first sentence, by the way. He says, hello, my <laughs> legion of doom. Please allow me to start by saying how awesome and funny you guys are. And I love the new host and all of the stats. So he's talking oh, that's about, great. about me. So, uh, But we've already answered his question, so I really I just did that for myself. He wanted to know about <laughs> Blake Snell. He was on, he had a heavy, he's got a heavy lead, but he was intrigued. And I feel like we've curbed enough of the enthusiasm to put do Blake not. Snell out there. Yeah, Don't do it. Recipe. I love Blake Snell. Sure. Again, if you if you don't know, I have his poster on my wall that is a strike zone plot that I call the Blake Snell pl- blueprint of fastballs up and sliders and curveballs down. It's gorgeous. It's how you succeed pitching in the majors these days. It's on my wall. How have you got, how have you and Spore not done? Because if, if people don't know, Nick will do the fireside chat fireside chats on Sundays over at FanGraphs with uh, one of my besties. It's Paul. I love Paul. <laughs> and Paul has a relationship with Blake Snell where Blake Snell likes to twitch and he'll jump on his twitch. How have the three of you not done a podcast yet? That's a fantastic question. I would love to do that. We'll find some time. Paul is way too coy. I don't have shame. Like the Arizona Fall (laughs) League for everybody. Arizona Fall League starts up this week. If you guys want some prospect coverage, you know, a funny one. I saw a lot of people tweeting, hey, man, you know, Mike Trout's out for the year. They got to get Joe Adele. Why is it Joe Adele coming up? You want to know why? Because I'm going to be talking to him this week because he's here in Arizona. On Tuesdays, the practices start up. The Angels have already committed to it. But all I'm getting at is the Arizona Fall League is kicking off essentially Tuesday, games on Wednesday. And I am just going to shamelessly be out there on the field grabbing guys when they come off of BP. Hey, let's talk. Recorder, put it on my podcast. So make sure you're locked into my Twitter for it. But you guys get on that. You, you Blake Snell, and Paul Spore is a must listen to. We should actually um, also I think Joe even told me that he wasn't going to come up because he had to talk to the Welsh. So uh, I just want to let you know it's that. common. It's a it's a common thing. Don't worry. It's, <laughs> that we hear that a lot. All right. Uh, getting to some hitters, because I know you guys are um, are reeling a little bit. The most viewed hitter, I think the second most viewed player after Johnny Cueto, 
Kyle Lewis. And wouldn't you know it, my boy Kyle Lewis hit his fourth home run on Sunday. That's crazy. Coming off of three straight games with a home run, went two for five. (laughs) He had three RBIs too. Four homers in six games, 10 RBIs now in six games. He is on an absolute heater. So what I want to bring to the table are the prospects. I want to talk about them in a a tiny little capsule here for a minute, and then I'll pit them up against a couple other players because I am getting a lot of questions about, do I start this veteran hitter who's reeling a little bit, or do I go with these lowly? I think people literally go and look and see guys like Horner and stuff, and they see them available, and they question themselves. But Kyle Lewis, absolute monster right now. Nico Horner was the second most viewed player Six hits and two home runs over the weekend. You've got Nick Solak, who Solak is interesting because he's calmed a little bit. He only had one hit over the weekend, and everyone knows that was Scott White's guy. 27% owned, the most owned of these prospects right now. Didn't have a great weekend, while Rugen Odor had a pretty good one. I'm going to bring him up here shortly. But And then you've also got Sean Murray, who are uh, who's going to be relatively high in catcher rankings. 22%, 2-for-4 on Sunday, three for four with four runs on Friday, three homers before that. He's been a beast. So Kyle Lewis, Nico Horner, Solak, Murphy, talk to me about those guys. And do you have a preference of who you would be putting out this week? Well, I mean, I will say Sean Murphy is someone that I would be considering uh, just because, I mean, he was killing it in AAA anyway. Uh, in 31 games, 10 home runs, 308 average over one OPS. I understand the uh, the PCL and everything like that, but this isn't necessarily a surprise that this guy has power and a power hitting catcher to me. There's got to be so many leagues where your catcher just isn't doing anything. It's just normal. It's just whatever. You want to know what killed Might me? Might as well. <laughs> you want to know what killed me? Uh, right? On Saturday I, I, night. On Saturday night. Yeah. I, I knew Carson Kelly. Would, I, I just had a feeling he was going to get benched on Sunday. Sean Murphy was just sitting there on the wire. And I, oh, no. and I thought about picking him up, and I didn't pick him up. He got two hits on Sunday, and I'm telling you, I barely lost in this one league. It could have been the factor. It could have been the small factor between it. He, and I know catchers aren't super enticing to pick up, especially if the thought process here is not putting them at catcher. Some of you guys are sitting out there with some incredible options. But I don't know. He's a guy when his matchups um, are in play and he's getting more playing time, he's a good he's a good pickup. But he's the obvious guy if you have a catcher need. Where exactly. Kyle Lewis versus Horner versus Solak, I think, is increasingly becoming maybe the most fascinating one. I press Bogman to consider a guy like Nico Horner even over a guy like Tim Anderson for the coming week here and get Nico Horner in more starts. I know, uh, you know, uh, Scott White doesn't love him to death because the power has been in question for him. I'm a huge fan of Nico Horner. I think his bat presence is, I don't want to call it elite, but I think it's top notch. His power kicked up this weekend. He's getting a bunch of hits and the Cubs will rely on him even more. Maybe, just maybe, he gets pushed up in the lineup because Rizzo's hurt too. I was about to suggest that because, I mean, his OBP has been 41 thus far. I understand 27 plate appearances or so, but it's not like he's been a bad OBP guy. 11% walk rate thus far. Nico, that's impressive. He's been batting eighth typically, and I totally agree with Rizzo out. I think you might actually see him jump up a ton. You know what? Rizzo has been a leadoff guy. Why not put Nico in there for one game or two? Uh, he we'll can do what it. happens. He, I right? think he can do I, it. I will say if there's someone, one of these guys that I would consider the most, it probably would be Solak, not because he has a fantastic first name, 
but more so <laughs> that he's in the middle of that lineup. He's batting fourth. And generally, when it comes to production, it's just about where you hit in the lineup. He's consistently in there. That's a good thing. Willie Calhoun is obviously killing the ball. So having him right in front of him, getting on base, I think that gives you the nicest floor out of all these guys. Obviously, there's Kyle Lewis, who just hit his fourth home run, too. If you want to try that for a day or two, I do not blame you. Uh, you were mentioning about veterans. Do I stick my veteran? Do I go after Kyle Lewis? You stick with your veteran. That's how I personally go with it. These are the guys that got you here. This is who they are. Don't forget about what they can do after one week. That just seems silly to me. While this is clearly a, a hitter who's taking advantage of things right off the bat, but it's not like Kyle Lewis. Uh, he, he had 11 home runs in 122 games this year, 500 plus plate appearances in double A. This isn't who he is. And no. sometimes we do see that, but he's not, you know, 263 hitter in that time, 741 OPS. It's a nice run. But trust your utility guy that you've had all year. That's most likely going to be the, the safer play. And it, that's what I would go with. It's very Aristides Aquino to me with uh, with Kyle Lewis. The the problem and, and what I mean by that is one part, which I want to talk about him shortly, is, you know, he is cooling down. And I've never fully believed that the power was going to maintain because he's strikeout heavy. Kyle Lewis is very similar in that, though touted, um, you know, pedigree a little bit higher. The question, though, in all of that is, is Kyle Lewis done or are we going to get the rest of this through the season or is he going to start to tick down? That's where it becomes difficult. All right. So veterans here, I've got three to pit up. Now one is a little bit highly owned, but I want to get your take and see if I can press you enough that this might mark a pickup for somebody. First up is Ryan McMahon. I want to talk about him because he hit two homers, double donged here on Sunday night, went three for five, two homers, four RBIs, but he had been hitless since September 7th. And this coming week, he has no Thursday game, but he is home Monday through Wednesday. So there's McMahon, who is highly owned, maybe even sitting on people's benches, versus two very, very popular players, one in Will Myers, who is now up to 67% owned, two for three with his 18th homer on Sunday, hitting 400 in the month coming into Sunday. And Mark Canna, who on Saturday went one for five with his 24th homer. He's had hits in four of his last six games, 62% owned. So McMahon is decently owned over him who if you had the option to pick up are you picking up and do you like Myers or Canna maybe over a guy like Ryan McMahon this coming week just just talk to me about these vets sure uh Canna is the guy I'm going with uh he's going to Texas now uh I'm down with that they don't have that dome yet unless they dropped it overnight uh I'm definitely going with that and by the way you, you said double dong I don't know if you've done this before I I think I was talking about baseball to someone and someone's listening in that doesn't follow baseball whatsoever and heard me say dong and they were so confused and I I didn't realize what I was saying. Well, I didn't. Sh- shout out to Heath Cummings. Shout out to our boy Heath <laughs> Cummings who he's even got the shirt. So we we're all in he, celebration. Oh, sure, anybody oh, yeah. gets... oh, I know that it's a great shirt. I oh man, it just it just threw me for a loop. Like, don't you understand what I'm saying? I think a lot um, of baseball isms uh, throw people for loops. So, you know, <laughs> home run hits and an eggplant emoji comes out and everybody loses their mind. So I oh, agree. Man. All right, so Mark Canna uh, over all these guys. Yes, because he is he's in the middle of that lineup again. I love being. Rust right there at number four. That's great. Good matchups the rest of the week. Uh, Myers is someone I know. I know that he's hot. I just never like dealing with Myers. It's so boring. Uh, 17 home runs, 15 stolen bases this year. If you need something to really push you this week, you might get one of them. You might not. You know, the average honestly is under one. 
per week for each through the full season. I, I'm not a huge fan of that. McMahon, that could work you there in cores at least to start the week. Uh, I personally would go with the safer option of Canna. Do you view any of those guys? Okay, how about um, this question might have come to me. What about Canna versus a guy like Solak or Horner? I guess I probably I probably know the answer to this, but do any of the do any of the rookies jump over any of the veterans? Maybe that's a better way to put it. Yeah, that uh, that is I no not for me. There isn't something right now. It's just you have to. This is the next coming of X, and no, I'm going to go with Canna. All right, well, X going to bring it to you right here. Kyle <laughs> Tucker, who's 54% owned, six hits over the weekend. That's Friday through Sunday with a uh, home run with home run number two on Sunday. And Gavin Lux, who is going right now as we're uh, doing this about mm, 10 p.m. Eastern, it is right now. It's in the ninth inning of this game, all tied up. But Gavin Lux is two for four, and he went two for four with a homer on Friday. So highly owned in the 55 to 65% range of Kyle Tucker, Gavin Lux. And you know what it was? I think it was Tucker versus Canna that I would ask. So those prospects, Tucker and Lux versus Myers, Canna, McMahon, how does it sort out? All right, because I'm on my bike, because I'm I'm definitely back paddling a little bit here. Uh, Kyle Tucker is definitely someone that's a massive impact play. I mean, 34 home runs, 30 stolen bases in 125 games, 900 plus OPS in AAA. He's going to bring it to you. (laughs) He's someone we've been waiting so long for to show up, you know, and and I will say, I don't know if I necessarily put him up Canna, but I will. I do see it like on your utilities, but if you have some boring guys, legitimately boring players there that just haven't really done much. Yeah, I would go with Tucker there. Gavin Lux, I could see if you have, I believe he has eligibility at second base, if that's correct. I uh, with uh, with Gavin Lux, I I w- yeah second base. I would be slotting him in there if I didn't really have a strong option. Uh, Lux I will or Myers. say this about Lux. Well, I I have a phrase called Dodgeritis. Uh, it mm. refers to the pitching staff mostly for the Dodgers, where you just never know how many innings they're going to get. Is Maeda going to stay in the rotation? Is he not? Who's next? And it does apply to hitters slightly too. We don't really know what they're going to do with Lux. We know what we're going to do with Will Myers. If you're in a weekly league, I think you still have to go with Will Myers. I, in a daily, I would be looking to slot in Lux every time he's confirmed as a starter. Okay, I like that. Uh, how about some championship bats? I've got four names for you, and I want you to pick one. Randall Gritchick, two for four with a double dong, 27 and 28th homers here on Sunday. Eight-game hit streak. He's got no game on Monday, but Baltimore and New York, and he's at both of those places next week. Miguel Sano, and the reason I'm bringing him up, even though he's highly percent owned, I think a lot of people out here, you know, you're playing in not just CBS, a lot of different places. He's not as owned everywhere else because I got so many Miguel Sano questions this week. Miguel Sano, who is 72% owned in CBS, was two for five with his 29th homer on Sunday. He's got, uh, looks like a full slate so far. Two more, Kevin Newman, who's 63% owned, on a 10-game hit streak, seven hits over the weekend, and Rugi. We talked about Rugi a little bit. He hit uh, 56% owned. He hit homer on Saturday, which is 27th of the year. He's now got six homers in September, 333 with two stolen bases and the six homers coming into Sunday's game. So championship bat that you're adding, Sano, Grichik, Newman, Odor. Well, obviously it does depend a little bit about what you need. Uh, Newman, 318 average for the year. You know what you're going to get. You're getting kind of the boring, some stolen bases in here, some runs plus RBI production. Uh, but if you're in OBP league, it's 365 for Newman versus 340 for Sano thus far. 
that's something to consider. I, if you need a home run this week, you could go with Gritchick. You could go with Sano. I bet it's a, it's a bit of a coin flip there. The thing is, Sano does get the White Sox and the Royals. I could very well see Junis or Montgomery leave a ball over the plate and he swats one or two of those out. I could see the White Sox as well, not necessarily doing great things like Dylan Covey. And I say, don't Covey thy Dylan uh, because you don't want anything to do with him. But unless your name is Sano, who couldn't launch one out as well. Odor is is an interesting mix to me. I don't ever want to do anything with Odor personally. Uh, He's just not something that I want to touch. Would you cut bait on Aristides Aquino, who was one for four on Sunday, but coming in to Sunday, hitting 163 in the month of September, one homer in the month, and that was on uh, the second, and he only has nine total hits through this month. I've been telling people, feel free to cut bait, but the highly owned percentage in what he did is making people grip for their life to keep him in there. Are you cutting? Aristides for Grichik, Sano, Newman, or, or Odor? Yes. Or all of the above? Yeah, I, pr- I pretty much would, yeah. Even though I don't want anything to do with Odor, yes. Um, I, I think so. It, if you look at his mechanics as a hitter, um, it, it's just not something that seems sustainable. It, it's very much of a feel of seeing the ball like a watermelon on a given day, and then the the way that it's just it's so violent almost and wild uh it doesn't surprise me that's fallen off tremendously um i think you're safer trying to get that home run or two this week with the other guys would you even go like because i'll tell people this right now i would go pick up nico horner nick solak or kyle lewis and i would play yep. them all over aristides right now 100 i'm with you okay yeah, yeah. He, he's a he's a straight up cut right now for me i don't need it maybe he goes off I just don't, I'm not anticipating it with how atrocious September has been. And what it does is it does make a fascinating conversation about 2020 and where he goes, but we're not having that today. A couple more pitcher things here. This is a great one for you. Do you trust me? I've got a couple pairs on here. Wade Miley, who had given up 12 earned runs in his last two starts, but went out on Sunday and was pretty good. Six uh, innings, seven hits, two earned runs with four strikeouts. He's got the Angels next. Max Freed. Not so good, who had been. Two and one-third, five earned runs with uh, three walks and two strikeouts. His last start was also bleh. Five with five earned runs and five strikeouts. He's got the Giants next. And Jose Quintana did the 2-1 again, just like Freed. Gave up five earned runs with one strikeout. 13 earned runs given up over his last three. And he's got St. Louis next. So Miley, Freed, Quintana, do you trust me? I trust Wade Miley, definitely. I mean, the first one that he had was six batters. That's just the worst sample you could think of. And then if you watch the second one, uh, we're talking about the two starts where he allowed the one where he didn't go through an inning one. Yeah, yeah. It was essentially reminding me of his playoff appearance last year with four pitches with Miley. Even that second one, he just got what I call singled out where it was just so many singles. There were so many through the shift uh, that was hit straight at a second baseman. But there was no second baseman there. There are things up the middle. It, and he didn't even pitch poorly. It, it just happened to go not into gloves. Um, it's weird to see that twice in a row. And that's really what raised eyebrows for, I think, a lot of people. But this is who he is. Exactly what you saw here. And now he gets the Angels. 100 percent. I, I wouldn't be matchup. surprised if he gets incredibly added after this. All you need to see is, say, hey, he's not broken. He's not hurt. This is still Wade Miley. And everything is fine. We're just going to completely forget and laugh. 
Uh, with Freed, I think you're okay against the Giants. The Nationals are a really tough team. He's been battling a bit with command on, on all of his pitches this entire year. Sometimes it was his slider that wasn't really there. Sometimes it was curveball getting down. Sometimes it was his fastball not finding the edges as it normally does. In this one, I don't think he's pitched that poorly, honestly. Things just didn't go his way with his heater. Uh, I would be starting Freed against the Giants. That's a much better matchup. That's swinging the pendulum the other way. I would do that. Quintana, oh, Quintana had like this stretch where he did the blueprint I described before. Uh, Blake Snell going up with fastballs and then curveballs down. You want to see separation of pitches. That means they're coming out of the same tunnel and then just the movement is separating them. That's a great thing. We saw that a lot before. And then lately, we just haven't. And now he gets burned. And the Cardinals are hitting much better than they were in the middle of the summer. I would hate to have to go with Quintana. I wouldn't be... I actually would really consider streaming instead. It really does depend on the matchups that you're getting. But something like Alex Young, as we mentioned before, against the Marlins, much better than that start of Quintana. I agree. Uh, do you trust me? Ryan Yarbrough, who went five, gave up six, only three strikeouts. He's got Boston next. Trevor Bauer had a good start. I told you it's the revenge start against the Diamondbacks. Went eight, <laughs> struck out nine with one earned run. Two straight quality starts. Both, he, uh, I believe, had eight strikeouts. He's got the Mets next. And Johnny Cueto, who got moved off the two start, went five, three hits, no earned runs, two strikeouts. But he's got the Braves, so what do you think on a quick hit here? Yarborough, Bauer, Cueto, who do you not trust, if any? Uh, I mean, Bauer's a coin flip. That's, that's oh man. It, if you hit points league, yes, you just do it because the strikeouts will still be there. Uh, that's a complete coin flip. I'm leaning yes to that if I do have Bauer. Yarborough, I call him the Friday Pirate because Yarborough, uh, he has Boston. I'm going to start him there. We've seen him do well against the Astros. We actually seen him do do well against a lot of good offenses before. Even with a start, I think you're safe with that. Johnny Cueto is an interesting one because he only threw 71 pitches today. I honestly would not start him against the Braves. I was hoping he would get the Rockies on the road, and he's not getting that. So at Atlanta, not so much. That's a good offense. He only had 18 over 71 CSW. That's uh, call strikes over West. Normally want to see percentage closer to 30. This is underneath that. Not really a strong start. Just had his changeup working. Slider was pretty meh. Kerbal was just thrown once. Not enough for me to really think that he can go a full six. And then those five, I wouldn't be surprised if three on runs and that kind of kills you. Yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't start him either because the league that I had him in, I got eliminated and I won't be in the championship. So <laughs> I won't. Start I'm so sorry. Either. Uh, how about a couple great plays here? Anibal Sanchez, who went seven, struck out three, no earned runs. His previous start, 64% on, by the way, went seven, two earned runs with five strikeouts. Got Miami, it looks like, next weekend. Like that one. Sean Manaya continues to do the beautiful things he does. Six innings, no earned runs, six strikeouts. He's got Texas next. And interestingly, they piggybacked him with Jesus Lazardo, And Lazardo went three, gave up one earned run with four strikeouts, and he ended up getting a three-inning save. So anybody that was holding on, you got one of those just cheap category gimmies from Jesus Lazardo. I wonder if that continues and you see it in that Texas start, which would be great. Um, and I just want to point this one out. Not that you really wouldn't. Zach Gallen is still an absolute beast. Five and two thirds, three uh, earned runs, five strikeouts. He did give up three homers, but he's got San Diego next. And then give me your thoughts on this one. And if, by the way, if you disagree with Sanchez or Manaya, you can tell me. But what about 
Dylan Cease, who went five with one earned run with five strikeouts versus Seattle. He's got Detroit next. You talk. I don't want to rely on rookie starting pitchers, especially in the playoffs, if I don't have to. But you're talking. You were talking about Keller as a home run play. Dylan Cease is under fifty percent owned on CBS, and he's got Detroit next. He feels like one of those preemptive great plays. If you are just trying to go for it, you're trying to get what a start like this, but maybe 10 strikeouts. Dylan Cease has that potential. Definitely. No, he definitely does have that. The one major concern I have with Dylan Cease. Well, he threw over 100 pitches yesterday to get to just about five innings. That's not a great thing. And he's not really finding his secondary stuff. His slider was good. Uh, he found the zone a bit with that, but his fastball also is not finding the zone. And the slider's fine, but it's not overwhelming it's not one of those overpowering secondary pitches that we saw from someone like griffin canning even uh that we saw obviously from shane bieber last year we wanted to see something like that out of season we haven't gone there it's supposed to be the heater you know 96 plus but it's not finding the zone and guys are taking and that's why you have to throw over 100 pitches to get through five okay innings i don't know if you can do that effectively against the tigers i know it's the tigers but that might if you're talking about home run play Keller is more polished, if you can believe it, than Cease's. Mm. Uh, I think he's, Keller is still much better play there. Um, just a really quick hits on the other three guys. Anibal Sanchez, super strange start today. Didn't throw his cutter at all. And that's kind of the pitch that has made him his money over the past years. Slightly scared about that Miami start, but I think you still start him there. Sean Manaya, he looks so good. JJ so was fantastic. Uh, it's really exciting. I, I wonder if his feel will still be there for 2020. But that's really cool. And he got 95 pitches, too. So he'll go deep. Don't worry about him getting short, uh, shortened in his starts because of Luzardo. No, they'll let him go 95 today. Everything is fine there. And I just have a question. Zach Gallen, how excited were you when they traded for him? I, I, I mean, no, you know what? I was excited. I shouldn't say that. I was about to discount it because everybody knows how I was with Goldie in that trade. And on my show, Prospect One, I, I poked a lot about Zach Gallen just because, you know, he wasn't a big stuff guy who was having incredible results. So I was just trying to poke at it a lot. When he got traded, I immediately went to Twitter and I was like, well, got to turn my takes on Zach Gallen around. <laughs> he has been incredible. I mean, he the stuff he's doing this year, I legitimately think. I mean, I'm not looking at my ranks. I'm not Scott White or anything like that as far as those things go. But I mean, the top 30 range of an SP seems like the relative spot you could consider him, especially over. There's a lot of veterans that are going to dump out that you're going to see their name value and you're going to be like, oh man, you know, David Price, blah, blah, blah. But a guy like Zach Allen, who's been so consistent with the offense behind the Diamondbacks, I just think we haven't appreciated who he truly is and we probably will next year. I, I can't agree more. Uh, I could talk a long time about Zach Allen, uh, but actually one of the very first times I got to see him was that debut against the Cardinals. And I did a brief video about an at bat against your Paul Goldschmidt or your former Paul Goldschmidt. Not mine. Anymore. And how he, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but how he just completely dominated him and got in Goldschmidt's head to do a three, two changeup under the zone that Goldschmidt thought would be a fastball. Cause he's just waiting for one. And didn't give in to him. His stuff is fantastic. And uh, he actually is going higher than David Price in the very early mock drafts. Oh, yeah. Uh, Justin Mason is hosting. So, yeah, we're doing an really ITL cool one too. right now. I just got David yeah. Price around 200. So, well, well, you're going to do one with me, hopefully. Yeah, let's uh, do it. You're going to spell uh, my name right? November. You're going to spell yes, my name right? Maybe. 
Uh, maybe I think I'm just going to call you. It's Chuck, right? Yeah. Fam- uh, people don't know. Last year, Bogman <laughs> did one with Nick, and Nick wrote Steve Bogman. And we didn't really, like, we had never done a bunch of pods, and that's what built our relationship. And now we're we're just great oh, buddies man. now. We're Best great. mistake I ever made, but I was so mortified. Yeah, oh, that's okay. Word. It's okay. Here's what I, was... I would suggest to everybody, though. Make sure you go follow <laughs> Nick on Twitter at PitcherList. Check out PitcherList.com. Uh, he's a great resource out there. Lots of pitcher gifts that you can go and check out. Uh, great dude. He's on a whole bunch of stuff, and he's an up-and-coming name in the industry. I promise you. If you don't already know, I don't want to short sell. This is a guy that has like 30,000 more followers than me. Because, you know, look at me. But I'm just saying, like, you know, to the CBS audience, Nick is an absolute dude. And seriously, my friend, thank you for jumping on the podcast here. I promised everybody that we were in good hands. I know, you know, Scott is our guy, but I knew we were in good hands with Scott White out if I brought you on. And I'm glad you came on and you dropped some great knowledge, my friend. Man, this has been an absolute blast, uh, and I'm honored to be a part of this. So really, thank you so much for bringing me on today. All right, so I know we have the 2020 questions. We do not have the time, but I want everyone to know that I am collecting the 2020 emails about all the value stuff that you're bringing in. I'm not deleting them. You guys can keep sending in all your questions to fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. We will be doing, you know, I mean, obviously the main focus is going to be what's going on during the week. Scott White's going to be back with me again for the Wednesday episode. And any of the 2020 stuff you guys sent, I'll hold on. And uh, Scott and I will try to prioritize to make sure that we're covering some of that stuff. That is the episode, friendos. You know you can follow him at Pitcher List. Follow me online at Is It The Welsh. Until next time, Scott White will be back. And the kid will no longer have the house to himself. The parents will be back. Have a good one, guys. Bye.